Science of Arboriculture podcast series. This podcast series was developed by the International Society of Arboriculture to bring you the latest research-based information on tree care. If you have a favorite arboricultural topic that you would like to learn more about, please contact Luana Vargas, the producer of this series at the ISA office in Champaign, or me, Tom Smiley, the host of this series at the Bartlett Tree Research Laboratory. Today's talk is by Dr. Francesco Farini from the Department of Horticulture at the University of Florence in Italy. He will be talking about species selections for urban tree plantings in view of global climate change. This lecture was originally presented at the Brazilian Congress of Urban Forestry in Rio Branco on October 19, 2009. Just to give you an idea, about how big is Brazil and how small is Italy compared to Brazil. Brazil can contain the United States without the Alaska. It can contain Germany, Italy, Spain, and France, which are the biggest states in, in Europe. And uh, another idea, Acre, it's about 152,000 square kilometers, which, which, is, which is half of the size of Italy, but it has just 660,000 habitantes in, in Portuguese inhabitants, and Italy is 60 million. So the density of population is, in Brazil is 1995, in Italy is 190, 10 times as much uh, uh, of the population density. Uh, just a few words about the, the special report on emission scenarios. It's called SRES, because uh, it's important for all, over the, all over the world, but especially for for Brazil, these are the ecological zones for for Brazil. Mainly, you see four biggest ecological zones. This is the legend on your right, and these are the four main different emission scenarios: the A1, A2, B1, and B2, and uh, they all correspond to different emission in about uh, greenhouse gases, CO2, and other gases in the atmosphere. And according to these different scenarios. Uh, there are some models which have predicted which will happen in the future for our planet and for, for us too. So which, uh, which are the climate change projections? We have tools and data for climate change and to do some impact studies. We have the greenhouse gases emission scenarios. We have the general circulation models. And we have the so-called changes in temperature. You see uh, here three different scenarios, B1, A1B, and A2, with the difference in temperature on, on average. And also the atmospheric CO2 concentration. We know it will change. The CO2 concentration in the atmosphere is expected to increase a lot by 2100 from 5 to 50, 550 parts per million per volume in the scenario B1 to 950 Part per million per volume for the A1F 
scenarios. So it's, it's a big change. Now it's about 360, 370 part per million. And other climate change projection. Uh, temperature, there will be a mean changes from 1.8 degrees centigrade in the B1 scenario to 4 degrees centigrade in A1, F1 uh, scenario, changes in extremes, more heat waves and less frosts, especially for the northern European countries in northern American countries. And there will be changes in the precipitation, probably about more 5% over lands, less in most subtropical land regions, 20%, uh, sorry, 20% less in most, most subtropical land regions, and a little bit more in the high altitudes and tropical Pacific. And then, that's even more important, the changes in extremes, more heavy precipitation events and more uh, and longer dry spells like last, like last summer in Europe. Then evaporation. It will be higher on overall. Uh, in some places it, it, it will be lower, like North Africa and Central Southeast Afri America for the uh, major uh, cloud, cloud cover and soil moisture in the subtropics and the Mediterranean type region uh, will go down, probably will go up in East Africa and Central Asia and, and then at the higher latitudes. Uh, as regards the precipitation, the projection, the projection indicate rather homogeneous changes across the world. You can see here in, in uh, the United States, uh, the Delta C is the, change, is the change in temperature from 2020 to 2000. Uh, 80 and the, the delta in rainfall. You see there will be a little uh, uh, decrease in the precipitation in the United States. South America, the delta in temperature pretty much the same, but there will be uh, um, from, from now to uh, 2080 a lot, of, uh, a lot less precipitation, about less 200 millimeters per year. Then Africa, then Europe, and then Asia, and then Australia, sorry. Uh, I can skip this, uh, you can have it in the, in the, in the, in the material I left for the Congress. Uh, these are the calculated changes from 1960 to 2100 in, in global mean and Brazilian, top, uh, top global mean Brazilian. You see that it's quite similar. Maybe Brazil will be in some way uh, uh, affected like the other uh, part of the world. And this is the change in mean seasonal temperature in Celsius uh, from the average 1961 to 90 climate for a 30-year period centered on the 2050s, so from 2020 to 2050s. And you see this for Brazil, all the changes from here. I don't, I don't, I don't think you can read it, but according to the different scenarios, starting from the B1, which is the the better, the best scenario you can have in this area about 0 0.9 uh, more degree in, on average up to the worst scenario 4.7 on average which is unbelievable, uh, unbearable probably. And these are the, the mean uh, seasonal precipitation, precipitation changes. You see probably for the B1, the B2 and the, B, the A1 scenario nothing will change from this area, but if you see the A2, which is the high scenario, uh, there will be a minus four, uh, which means a lot of, uh, uh, less, less, much less precipitation rainfall in the future. 
these are the changes in annual mean temperature for uh, on, on the top part of this, this slide you see the annual rainfall between 1901 and 1998 and in the, the temperature is on the, the upper part, the precipitation is the lower part. You see that in the last 20 years the precipitation uh, went down and the temperature went up for all over Brazil on average. As you can see here, this, uh, I found these uh, slides uh, in a publication. You see that Brazil is the country which, is, which will be uh, the most affected by climate change. You see Brazil is here, and this is the very serious uh, changes due to the global warming. So uh, there is a lot of, to be uh, worried about, like in Europe. Uh, these are the climatic variables and uh, this is the level of confidence. You see that we are quite sure there will be an increase in the atmospheric CO2 concentration. The global mean sea level will, will, uh, will, will go up. The global mean temperature will go up too. Uh, and then uh, there will be a low confidence in changes in climatic variability like El Nino or daily precipitation regimes. And it's, it's the, high, the confidence is very low or unknown for the climate surprises. For example, disintegration of the West Antarctic ice sheet. We, we don't know what uh, is going to happen if, it, if this will happen. So which are the messages uh, to be uh, taken home? Uh, the climate change projection relevant for urban trees. We are talking about trees. So far we have talked about, you know, uh, on average, even how climate change will affect our lives but anyway, for trees, the increase in CO2, uh, there will be an increase in CO2 concentration, there will be a general increase in mean temperature, and there will be an increase in mean and extreme uh, temperature all over the world. Uh, we need to know which will be the plant answers uh, in terms of biomass accumulation, growth period, water requirement, etc. So the changes in vegetation distribution and carbon accumulation and then the growing uh, condition for future urban forests, enhanced stress condition due to the higher increases in temperature and air pollutants, poor growing condition, and so on. As for the CO2, the highest CO2 uh, concentration, uh, I have to underline with no limiting water and nutrient uh, availability, there will be an increasing in photosynthetic rate, because uh, the higher is the, CO, is the CO2 concentration, the higher is the photosynthetic rate, but with water and uh, nutrient uh, availability. availability. Then uh, there will be an increase, in, uh, of, increase of carbon uptake, uh, therefore a mitigation of urban pollution, a greater uh, plant growth rates. And there will be an increase in water use efficiency by reducing evapotranspiration, reducing water stress, and increasing plant temperature. Uh, what about temperature? Uh, the higher temperature will increase the photosynthetic rate, and so uh, uh, will increase the plant growth, again, in non-limiting condition for water and nitrogen, and with temperature below 35 degrees, because photosynthesis usually uh, goes, uh, goes down uh, above 35 degrees centigrade. There will be an increase in respiration rate, a changing in the phenology, and the lengthening of the growing season, which will be probably longer. I'm talking about 
and not, I'm talking not about Rio Branco because don't have a real growing season here, but anyway, in other parts of the world and in other parts of Brazil too, the lengthening of the growing season will be uh, longer. And then what about rainfall? Uh, lower rainfall, so increasing in water stress due to both lower rainfall and increase evapotranspiration, higher intensity per event. So increase extreme rainfall events, more frequent flooding, which can cause injury or death to tree root system. Oh, I can skip this. It's just a, a, a summary of what I've uh, said so far. Uh, so if I will have a reduced plant growth, what's going to happen to, uh, uh, to the world, to the city? Uh, a reduced plant growth will affect energy conservation because there will be an increase in cost for heating in winter or cooling buildings in summer, which, is, uh, which has been uh, calculated 30 billions of kilowatt per year saved in U.S. with plants with the present condition. The CO2 uptake, there will be a decrease in photosynthetic efficiency, so there will be a decrease in carbon sequestration. The air quality will be uh, worse, and the urban uh, hydrology will be affected in a negative way. Uh, just, I, I, I found some, uh, some information through uh, the web. The, web. Uh, the Amazon rainforest could become drier, making spontaneous fires uh, more frequent. Those fires would release more greenhouse gases, increasing their concentration in the, in the atmosphere, in turn raising temperature further. So uh, we have to be very careful. Uh, I think in 2005 there was a, a very long dry period here in Acre with a lot of spontaneous or uh, uh, injected uh, fire. So far we have, I have spoken about climate change, but it's not only climate change, it's also global change, including uh, demo demographic changes, the aging of the population, probably not in this country, but in Europe, and especially in Italy, we are the, the country where people are getting older uh, compared to the rest of the world, Urbanization, 80% of Brazileros live in urbanized areas which affect uh, quality of urban life. Lifestyle, lifestyle changes, more affluent society and creative classes. And then changes in environment, changing landscapes, afforestation, climate change, and so on. So the question is what should we do to face the changing situation in terms of choosing plants for our landscape. We have three different approach, approaches. Political approach, communicative approach, technical or biological approach. Obviously, I'm talking about a technical or biological approach. I'm not a good politician. I'm not probably a good communicator. But we, we should learn to be both because arborists, uh, especially in Italy, uh, they are quite good in, in terms of technical preparation. They, are, they have a good skill but they, uh, they are not able to communicate their skills, they, they are not good uh, politicians, because we have to talk, you know, we have to deal with politicians every time we plant one single tree in our uh, cities. Anyway, so, as to the technical and biological approach, we have three different levels. Setting up of better new planting techniques, identification and planting of species or cultivars suitable for the urban environment, which is the topic of this uh, of, the, of this talk, 
and then sustainable management techniques to maintain trees as healthy as possible to ensure the highest CO2 uh, sequestration, carbon sequestration rate possible. We have some questions to answer. Why do I want to plant a tree here? What tree grow here? Is there room for a tree here? The, the, the previous talk uh, was on this topic. Is the climate okay? Will it change in the next future? What's the soil like? Is there enough or too much uh, sunlight or heat? Some species uh, don't like too much sun. Some others uh, do like uh, lots of sun. What will people do to these trees? We have to take care of vandalism. Uh, will this tree cause problems someday? We'll see all this. And which tree is best suited to this site? And will do what I want it to do? These are the desirable quality of the ideal uh, landscape and street trees, but uh, as the previous speaker said, uh, probably the ideal tree is a nootropy. It's not a real, uh, a real uh, thing to, uh, to achieve. Anyway, the selection criteria. In the past, probably the technical and the aesthetic criteria were the most important. They are not now, in my opinion. The most important are probably the biological, ecological, and the functional criteria. As for the bioecological criteria, uh, we had to choose three which are tolerant to anoxia because probably flooding uh, extreme events will become more uh, frequent and the flooding and water logging can cause problems to, uh, to the trees. Tolerant to soil compaction, especially in the urban stand. Tolerance to drought, disease resistance. Low risk to become an invasive species. Uh, I don't know if you are familiar with the tense rule. It means every uh, 1,000 plants which are introduced in, in, a foreign, in a foreign environment, like in botanical gardens, arboreta, or in the private gardens, 10% can escape from cultivation, and of these 10%, 10% can become invasive. It's an empiric rule, it's, not, it's, nothing, it's nothing scientific. Uh, we have to choose trees which are uh, a food source for local fauna, which are tolerant to shade, especially in the city, in the small street, in the very narrow streets, and which are tolerant to soil pollution and anormalities. As for the functional criteria, uh, we have to uh, choose trees which tolerate root manipulation, which, doesn't, which don't uh, have conflict with sidewalks, pavement, etc., which have the desired uh, growth rate, which live long enough to uh, satisfy our needs, which are not susceptible to uh, frequent pruning in relation to possible interferences with traffic and services, which have a very low branch breakage potential, easy to find in the nursery, and easy to transplant and manage. But there are some, in, in this scenario, in the global change scenario, uh, there are some other important selection criteria to be considered. So, uh, what is the problem when choosing what to plant? If I go to, to the nursery, very often uh, we know that some trees grow well in the urban environment, so we tend to, in some way, overuse them, and the result is a monoculture or uh, oligoculture, just a few species, as I said this morning, in our city. 
we could test different species of cultivar, but they could give scarce or uh, negative results. And also the answer for, uh, for the, uh, from the nurseryman can be no one, no one else uh, tested them before. Why should I be the first to do it or from the, from the municipals? And alternative species could be difficult to find in the nurseries in the size and quantities needed. And so then the, the conclusion is the, we planned what we know it will probably work with the present condition, not with the future condition. That is what everyone plans because it's considered safe in some way. And this is the model to which we are tied in the present. The solution is be creative. Be creative by keeping one genus of species below 20% for some year, setting up a list of alternative species for each one of the species more widely planted, and using more than one alternative species, otherwise they probably will come up again in a few, in a few years, in a short time, and taking into account of the potential disease of the species cultivar selected. For example, these are, this is the, a list of the most widely so this is a list of, uh, um, of the most common, of the most widely grown trees in, in our environment. And this is a list of potential trees. Most of them are exotic that can be grown in, the, in our environment. You see, probably some of them are, come from, from this country, just two or three maybe, maybe of them. So diversity can be the key against adversity. And then the possible changes in the pathosystem and entomosystem caused by uh, climate change. Uh, this nice fellow, I would say this nice bastard, is destroying all the palmeras in my country. And uh, probably it became uh, more, uh, more uh, violent because of climate change. It took 100 years to come from Milanese, to, 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 to go from Milanesia to uh, the Arabic Peninsula, then three years from the Arabic Peninsula to Egypt, and then a few months from Egypt to Italy uh, due to the uh, illegal import, importation of, of palm trees with this uh, big, big insect, which is destroying, destroying all the palms in, in, in Italy. So I hope it will stay uh, far away from, from South America. And these are all other species known to be in expansion in Italy, all important, all imported, or uh, which have become more uh, um, more violent because of climate change. So introducing the concept of visual uniformity and biological diversity, this is the same species or not. They're two different, completely different species. They have the same shape, um, pretty much the same leaves, but one is a tilia, the other one is a, is a, um, uh, a Turkish hazelnut. So completely different species, they don't have uh, any um, degree of, of uh, relation, so they can be used in an alternative way, one, uh, one tilia, one cordial, one hazelnut, one tilia, one uh, hazelnut, so in case of a new disease, you can save at least 50% of the species. And uh, Again, uh, we have a, a big trouble with, uh, with horse chestnut, we can uh, choose uh, Indian horse chestnut or uh, Aeschylus glaba, which are good substitutes, they don't have this kind of disease we have in Europe. Or for uh, maple, instead of mountain maple, which is highly susceptible to uh, verticillium, we can use 
uh, Acer Opalus, which is not so uh, susceptible. And for example, with Hackberry, European Hackberry can use Zelkova Serrat. You see very similar leaves, very similar shape, but completely different uh, species. And we have to take care about the uh, uh, distribution, natural distribution of species. You see, this is Acer Campestre, this Acer Pseudoplatanus, and if you, if you see uh, the, the distribution all over Europe, you can easily understand that this species is more adaptable this, than this one. Or, uh, I can skip this. So, uh, there is an, an empiric rule. It's called the 30-20-10 uh, rule, which was uh, firstly uh, written by Professor Santamuri in 1990. He said that you ha we have to keep uh, less than 30% of trees belonging to the same family, 20%, less than 20% of trees belonging to the same genus, less than 10% of trees belonging to the same species. Then stress tolerance. Drought, first, the biggest stress all over Europe in the, in the last years. These are the, uh, some satellite uh, images of this area of Acre in 2005, the fire season in Acre. Uh, I can skip this, but anyway, this is a list of some drought-tolerant species which can grow much better in, in better environments. But anyway, they have shown so far a big tolerance, a, a higher tolerance to, uh, to drought in, uh, in our latitudes. And this is another list from other authors uh, with trees which have higher uh, water stress tolerance and low water stress tolerance and species which are able to adjust their uh, osmotic pressure in case of, in case of drought. And these are, again, uh, trees that may improve water conservation, trees that may hinder water conservation. So you have to be very careful when choosing a species according to your needs. Uh, again, trees that may improve water conservation and they may hinder. Water logging. Too much rain. These are the effort of water logging, and this, uh, uh, this is a list of tolerant and susceptible trees, so tolerant to water logging or susceptible to water logging. You see a, that some species are, I put some species with an asterisk, it means that these species have contradictory evidences in the literature. So I put them uh, in, in, the, in the part of the table where I found more, more uh, references. And this is another uh, list of species which tolerate or don't tolerate uh, water logging, flooding. These are the results of the changes in the, in the environment. You see they put the irrigation system to have a, a, the English loan. It's called the English loan, not the Italian loan. And what happened? Two trees died because of too much irrigation, uh, water logging. And this is the same, a big, big set of trees uh, dead for too much irrigation. And then pollution, chronic damages. These are the most common pollutant uh, in the city, and these are some trees which tolerate carbon monoxide, some others which tolerate particulate matter, some other which tolerate nitrogen dioxide and sulfur, azufre, azufre in Portuguese, some other, again, which tolerates sulfur dioxide. So you can have a lot of information. If you have a special problem, you can find 
the right tree maybe. Trees which tolerate fluorine and with tree which tolerate ozone. Then reduce conflict with human activities and health. Uh, we have already heard something about this, but anyway, leaf shedding and subsequent harvest can be a problem. Money, it costs money to the municipalities. Or fruit drop, uh, for example, you have here mango. It's a very nice tree, very nice fruit, but they, uh, they are dropped continuously and they can be a real pain in the neck for the municipalities. Trees and infrastructures. Sometimes we can have too superficial on your left or too deep roots which can interfere with the pipe system. And then uh, the production of volatile oxide compounds for urban trees. This is that some trees produce volatile organic compounds, biogenic, and this is a list of species and genera which emit higher quantity of isoprene, casuarina, eucalyptus, liquid amber, Nisa, uh, Platanus, Populus, Quercus. So uh, if you don't have volatile oxide compounds in your atmosphere, you should avoid uh, these species. And you see, again, a list uh, I left my presentation. Then CO2 in urban trees, and I'm quite close to the end. Uh, we have a list of high uh, CO2 sequestration potential, medium, and then low. Uh, this is uh, based on research results they have to be tested in the real urban environment. So I'm not sure, I'm not that confident on this list. I have to, uh, I would like to try myself. But anyway, uh, some trees which are most effective in uh, uh, contribute to better air quality in the city, and some trees which are so-so, and which are tr trees which are less effective. So we should avoid this tree to improve the quality of the air in our cities. And this is, again, a list of trees that can improve air quality, trees that can harm air quality. Very uh, close to the end, tree biomechanics and stability. We have heard about termites. We have a lot of problems with storms in Europe. Uh, also, the last week, uh, a woman died in Italy because of a fallen tree. Uh, so we have, uh, just to remind, 84% of the damaged trees had pre-existing defects that were uh, preventable and predictable. The most common pre-existing defects include decay, weak branch unions, conominal leaders, stem girding roots, and termites, I learned today. So tree risk management is a very important thing in a global change scenario. Uh, tree risk management involves the process of inspecting and assessing trees for their potential to injure people or damage property. And these are trees that are resistant to storm damage. Probably you have a list, a similar list for your, for your species. But anyway, for example, I found that uh, in the literature that the sycamore maple is quite resistant to storm damage, but it's not in Italy. I don't know uh, why, I don't know uh, which is the reason. And these are trees reported to be susceptible to summer branch drop, summer that can fall suddenly in, in summer uh, without any, any uh, hint of, of a problem. And these are other species with the modulus of elasticity, which is very important. The higher is this value, the, the most uh, resistant is, is a species. And these other problems that you can find in the, and that can be taken into consideration when choosing a species for the future uh, urban landscape. 
So this is a list for Europe and United States and not recommended for CTUs, but we have to take the list very carefully because sometimes are based on a study done in a single city and not uh, spread all over, all over a country. So this is the end. Urban tree selection strategy for mitigating the global climate change. We have to uh, choose trees which maximize the use of, uh, we have to maximize the use of low VOC emitting trees, uh, which in turn uh, will reduce the, uh, the ozone and CO, CO carbon monoxide formation. Uh, plant long-lived species and use wood for long-term products. Uh, these forestall the CO2 emission from decomposition. Use of low maintenance. Urban adapted trees, and this will reduce pollution emission from maintenance activities. Avoid pollution-sensitive species, which will, increase, which will increase tree health. And plant evergreen trees to reduce level of particulate, particulate matter also in, in winter, not just in, in summer. And so, right plant in the right place and the appropriate plant selection is the key to landscape success. And uh, I just the, 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 the last slides. This is a Latin uh, proverb. In English, uh, it sounds, he who plants trees works for the benefits of a future generation. I think this is the first hint of sustainable urban forestry in the history. So it dates back to 2,000 years ago, but it's, a, it's, a, it's one of the principles of the sustainability in the urban environment. So thank you very much. This concludes Dr. Francesco Farini's talk about species selection for urban tree planting in view of global climate change. If you would like to receive continuing education units for this talk, the code for this lecture is SA5475. Again, SA5475. Remember to subscribe to this podcast series and join us next time for another Science of Arboriculture. Trees in every country. Trees, you know we can. Work together and learn what we need to meet the challenge. Traditional skills and modern techniques. Whatever language you speak, you have a world to offer every day. Climb with the ISA.